Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. I've missed you, boys. I'm so happy to say that we're all still alive. None of us are dead. It's been so long <laughs> since we last recorded a podcast the last time. We did a podcast. We were all in, it was so long ago, we were all in Edwardian dress. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a long time since we did a podcast. The, the, no, like, there's just been a number of things that have prevented it from happening. Um, I think on some occasions, just apathy. On some occasions, the, uh, coronavirus, my household's been hit by it. I know yours has as well, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, me, uh, mine too. So we've all had our debate of coronavirus. I had norovirus last week. That was fun. Dave, you've had your kitchen done. There's been any number of reasons. Um, Nothing glamorous, though, for such a long break. Well, norovirus was quite quite (laughs) How glamorous was it? You know, I lost weight. Not enough, but, you know. It was... uh, Mainly fluids? Yeah. Yeah, it was a glamorous affair. It's a brutal night. But, um, yeah. But, uh, so we've had a lot of games since the last podcast. The last podcast came out on March the 1st. And since then, I think it's fair to say, I, I, our form had already upturned before we last recorded a podcast. But since then... It's been pretty good. Until our most recent game against Liverpool, we had won six home games in a row. I don't think that... I think I can confidently say that hasn't happened in the whole history of the Newcastle Natter, which is a long yeah. um, history. <laughs> it's good to have these historical amazing runs and just miss it. Considering yeah, some, some of the shite we turned up every week for <laughs> championship yeah. seasons where we couldn't have even seen the game. <laughs> we I mean, still, we were, we were still turned up in part. We were there for 10 games without a win. We've been there for 14 games without a win. As soon as we go on a decent run, ah, fuck it. That's, that's too easy. Let's have a kitchen done or shit ourselves. That sounds Boring, much more asky. Yeah. What is there to talk about? What is there to talk about? Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, played good, yeah. I think the thing now, though, is like any time we want to go on a good run, we need Dave to have a a lucky kitchen refurb (laughs) to try and engineer an upturn in form. Yeah. So, um, well, luckily, uh, we lost our most recent game, and that has allowed... That's why we're back. (laughs) ...has driven us us to, to the pod table. Um. We only pop when we're losing. Yeah. And also, I'm I'm delighted to say I actually attended this game. It's the first game I've been to at St. James's for fucking years. And um, it was supposed to be 
Ferguson Paul's big day out. Wasn't it, Paul? It was. But Paul I, was unable to. I told you on. to book the train tickets because I was free. Then yeah. checked the calendar downstairs and my wife had a friend's 40th that had been in there for months. <laughs> so I was like, any any chance you don't want to go to that? <laughs> and it's just an order, isn't it? Book the tickets, then check the calendar. Well, I checked the calendar. I checked my Gmail calendar. I had checked, there's a physical calendar downstairs. And it's, I mean, this yeah. this incident has led to a new regime of a shared Google calendar. So some good has come <laughs> out of it. Lessons have right. been learned. Well, I'm happy to say that I, had you not suggested that we go to this game, then I certainly wouldn't have chosen to spend six hours on the train on my own. And... <laughs> <laughs> to go and see a Newcastle game that I knew we would lose. But I'm glad that I did. I uh, I went to the game against Liverpool all by myself. And uh, I'm glad that I did. It was an early kickoff. So early train, Paul, on my own. Yeah. Hey, I did, you, did you take a can on the train? No, not my own, Dave. It's a bit, you know, no. Like, what? Why not? Well, I don't. I do you know what? Actually, I talk about this. I actually, I, I quite enjoyed taking pre-game booze out of it. I mean, I was about two, three days out away from um, norovirus, right? Mm-hmm. So I wasn't like massively keen on pre-noon drinking. Um, arrived at the stadium like, about an hour before kickoff. Nice. Didn't Did you enjoy really... the flags? Well, this is what I'm going to say. I, like, I am a, a major convert to flags, right? Uh, the, yeah. the, the atmosphere, long-time listeners will know that I've got a real aversion to flags. Not an aversion. I've never been against flags. I just I think never got a thing quite... to point out. Fergus's parents were killed by semaphore, so there is a legitimate reason. No, to, to be totally honest, I've never, to be clear, I've never been against flags. It's just when war flags started, and everyone started with that a couple of years ago, I thought it was a little odd that the amount of fervour about the flags and the fact that people were donating money to flags instead of, like, charities. I just thought it was a bit like, fucking hell, I, I was like, just suddenly, like, oh, we all love flags now, do we? And it, I was just a bit surprised by how into flags people were. But having said that, I went to the game and because I wasn't bothered about having a pre-match pint, I went and I was very excited to be at St. James's Park and I had a very nice seat booked for me by Paul Doolan (laughs) in the East Stand, a really, really lovely seat. So I sat there, I got the programme, sat there half an hour early Watched them warm up, soaked up the atmosphere. We'd obviously just won our last six home games. So there was clearly a very positive attitude in the stadium, incredible atmosphere, and a lot of lovely flags. And I really loved the flags. So, you know. You know what? I'm not going to take the myth. I'm genuinely happy that you enjoyed the flags. I'm genuinely pleased. Good. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to move my charity donations to, towards flags from, from shelter. To, to flags. <laughs> well, you, you know. you've not been flag washed. No, but you know, I liked the flags. So good. There we go. One one other thing observation from being at the game so early because I always have drinks beforehand and always get in right before kickoff. And actually, it's really nice to sit there in your seat and like watch it build up. I really enjoyed that, and I will. I want to do that more often now. Well, I think watch- as well, it's it's not miserable to do that at Newcastle anymore. I think it was mm. sort of. I think that's more of a recent change. I think there's a lot, a lot more people getting in early now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really busy ten minutes before kickoff. I mean, by by like. Five minutes before kickoff, there was it was pretty much full. Um, 
but that I watched the players warm up. Both sides were doing um, two touch, I guess it was basically like just in a closed space. The 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 squad who were playing were doing a quick little game of I guess it looked like they were playing two touch to me. And hit my little observation from that. Alan St. Maximan, everyone else, two touches. Alan St. Maximan, try and take on three players, 15 touches. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, <laughs> I think I just learned he cannot be coached. He cannot be persuaded to not do that, even in a game of two touch. Yeah, that he is. Was, I mean, we might come on to him at some point, but there, that does seem to be a worry at the moment. Mm. Well, yeah, let's talk about the, the game. You, you both watched the game, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you watched it on TV. I was obviously there, but you watched it on TV. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, Dave, what were your impressions of the match? Um, what you were able to pick up from the series? <laughs> it was, I don't think we were at our best. I don't think they were. I think they were much changed as well. And I thought that um, to get anything out of that game, we would have needed to be at our best and catch them on half day. However, we we kept arguably the best side in Europe to a 1-0. And they had a couple of chances, but so did we. I thought it was, it was fine. It was like... What we are now, which is a mid-table side, um, losing to to a title-challenging side. So it was good. It was fine. I don't know what else to say about it because it's been that long since we've done one of these things. But no, it was it was all right. Got the rules of football. I well, have. I've got more to say, but go on, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I I was a little bit underwhelmed by just sort of Liverpool weren't really in first gear at all and we we didn't really lay a glove on them. I think the 1-0 was very very flattering. I think the select I think starting St Maximin up front is fine against Norwich but I was very surprised there was no Chris Wood. I found that mm. a bit odd because we've done was it Man U or Chelsea we did that against before and you just thought well we've we've hopefully learned that doesn't really work but I, I don't know we were always in the game so it was kind of exciting but at the same time you always thought even if we do score Liverpool will get out of fifth third gear and just go and score up the other end yeah for the first 10 minutes off the back of that atmosphere I think genuinely off the back of the flags for the first 10 minutes we were we felt like the better side to me and it was it was quite exciting you know we were offering something going forward. But like you say, if it felt like Liverpool never, even though it wasn't their, their first choice squad, uh, first 11 at all, they never really had to get out of first or second gear. And we really didn't. I, I agree that the scoreline was flattering. Mane missed quite a few chances. Dubravka had to make quite a few saves. We really That's one thing, actually, I did want to say. It's nice to see that he's still got on in that in his locker because um, under the resurgence, under how he's not really been put under as much pressure as he has done yeah. previously. So for him to to be relied upon so much in a game and actually deliver, it's quite reassuring yeah. I mean, to know I, I, that he's got that. Yeah, I don't, and this is obviously not a criticism, but I, I think all of his saves, you you'd kind of expect a Premier League goalkeeper to make. But, mm. you know, he did, you know, he did, he did well. Yeah. You know, you can always save what you put in front of you. I but, think as um, well, a sort of caveat to, we were a bit underwhelming, but we were playing one of the best Premier League sides of all time, I would say. Definitely. Mm. And they, and they I think like, and what really, um, obviously being at the game, uh, being you know, there in <laughs> <laughs> no, what really got me was I was expecting to see <laughs> I was expecting to see like I associate Liverpool with attacking flair and dominance and they didn't 
I mean, they were dominant, but they there wasn't they didn't it wasn't this stunning attacking performance. But defensively, and I, I agree that I probably would should have started, or maybe just basically we we've got a long way to go in terms of our attack, basically. Mm. In terms mm. of actual players, in, in terms of additions that are needed, and I'm not talking about to compete at the with the likes of Liverpool. I'm talking about just to become a top eight side. Like we've we didn't offer that much going forward at all, but defensively they were impenetrable. They were just mm. incredible. It was just. I think we so were caught offsides uh, nine times, and I think that's a uh, that's a season high. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the frustration—the frustrating thing about being caught offside—is once you've been caught a couple of times, would it, like well, not a couple of times, but if you've been caught like three or four times, there must be the gamble in the coach's head to either try a different tack and stop trying to get the ball through to beat the offside trap, and then there's the other side of it's like well. Yeah, they've caught us these couple of times, but they must be playing a high line. So if we do break that trap, we'll be clean through. So there must be like a like a a gamble for a head coach to go, you know, A or B. Yeah, I mean there was that disallowed goal from Almiron. Um I suppose we should talk about their goal because in the stadium it looked like to, to all of us who were actually at the match, who were actually there, um, it looked it looked like a, a foul. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's just the, the naivety that comes from that sort of mob mentality. I think for us, as students of the game, who like to have that distance from the the TV yeah. and sort of yeah. assess all the stats and not get caught up in this kind of baying mob, kind of it was. It, very obviously not a foul. I think Cher just overstretched himself and then yeah. I think it was genuinely well, hurt. I mean, it was a lesson in how flags can influence you. Flags. No, well, in how, I mean, it did look like a foul for I think most people there and how a whole stadium can have, because, you know, we were doing okay up until that point. And then a whole stadium can have a real sense of injustice and just decide that the referee, you know, there, there are a few decisions that the, the crowd just decided that the referee was against us. And mm. there was absolute rage that there was a, a, a total injustice had been done. And, and I'm, I'm guessing for pretty much everyone there, when the game finished, they looked and went, oh, Oh, well, I guess we we're wrong about that. And then <laughs> never thought about it ever again. Do you know what I mean? Like never. Yeah. And we'll do exactly the same next next the following week. And that's not Newcastle fans. That's all football fans. Mm. You just together. You just go. You know, you look for a re- for some kind of injustice, something that's that's unfair, rather than going. Oh well, maybe. Yeah, we've had a lot of games recently where the talk on Twitter beforehand has been like. Oh, that ref's family are all Liverpool fans, that kind of thing. You know, I think that would have been flagged up as an issue further, like but, previously. And also, career. and Mike Dean well, and VAR was like, yeah. Well, he hates us, so the, every, the thing that, but every the thing football team's fans think Mike Dean hates them. It's just he's not a very oh, yeah. good ref. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy though. It's because we don't. We've got nothing really to play for anymore. So I think we're creating this, like, I don't know, enmity where there is none. I think it's just in in general, you know. And it's, it's <clears throat> I, it almost, it's a sign of the atmosphere is so good at the moment. There's a lot of positivity that people, they're not directing that energy towards negative energy towards the the manager or the board or the players mm. they're directing it to the opposition or to the referee do you know what I mean there's, there's even if it's a completely incorrect rage at least it's yeah. not directed at ourselves yeah. which is what it's been like for the last few years um, 
yeah, what else? Should we talk about some individual performances and, and just players over the last... Let, let's have a break. That's what we should do. I haven't done a podcast for so fucking long. I forgot that we're, that we're um, sponsored by some of the biggest companies on earth. And that is how we make so much cash. So um, let's have a quick break now so we can bring in that sweet, sweet cash. And uh, we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. Good break, guys. Lovely. Tickety-boo. I've got a couple of questions on uh, Joe Linton. Um, I'll fire them both at you. Uh, one from Sean Morgan. He says, should Joe Linton stay in midfield permanently despite his last two starts in the front three? And uh, Alex Bagley, who's looking for sort of, who, who's offering up controversial opinions, which he describes, he describes these opinions as controversial. One of them is everyone is over, overreacting to Joe Linton's play. He should be sold. Uh, Paul, opinions on Joe Linton in the Liverpool game and, and basically in, over the course of the last couple of months? I think there's definitely... He has been amazing in that central midfield role, but I was glad to see him put back in that kind of left-forward role as well to feel like we shouldn't dismiss how good he is in that role based on him being played as a number nine for the start of his career in a new country. I feel like he can do quite a good job there. It's nice to see, I mean, the bizarre moment of the Norwich game where Joe Linton was on a hat-trick, I still couldn't quite get my head around. Yeah. yeah. It was So it was interesting in the Norwich game, definitely he started up front like as a number nine. But within about 15, 20 minutes, it wasn't working out. So how shifted him to the to the left and put some maximum through the middle. And to be fair, that could have been like a game tactic to throw them off. I don't know. But that's what transpired. And as soon as he's he's shifted out out to the left, pops up with a couple of goals. Um I I'm genuinely torn on this because I think his best features uh, his athleticism his endeavor his energy his disruptive ability the, that 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 like um those characteristics benefit the team most when they're in the center i don't think you get you you benefit as much if you put them out on the left and I think we can buy better left-sided for for the forward line. Even to maximum out there on the left is more effective than he is in the centre. So you're talking really either putting Joe Linton out there and not playing some maximum or some maximum in his right position and Joe Linton in in the centre. I say keep him in the centre. I mean, he was up there with like Declan Rice in terms of centre midfield as a disruptive centre midfielder. So. Yeah, keep him there. I think I would, he's... I would rather have seen... Go on, Paul. I was going to say, he's definitely pushed his way ahead of Joe Willock and Sean Longstaff for a starting place as a central midfielder. Mm-hmm. As I'm not sure he's necessarily pushed his way ahead of St. Maximin or even Almiron for one of those forward spots. But I think as well, there's no... Like, his versatility is a positive. I don't think we need to treat it as a problem. I think mm-hmm. if we're going forward, we're going to be upgrading a lot of positions and he's that sort of useful player who can, you sort of need that in your squad. You can fill in quite a few roles. Against yeah. Liverpool, I would have much rather have seen St. Maximan on the left and Joe Linton in midfield. I mean, being, being at the game, um, I, uh, <laughs> you, you really, I really, you really saw that, Joe and sort of like fight, right? You know, that's that's obviously what's one one of the major things that's won people over. He like is constantly on at the referee. He's constantly in little uh, disputes with opposition players. He's obviously got a lot of character. It didn't in that particular match. It wasn't really working for him at all. On the left. Um, Whereas, although I don't think 
so I think St. Maximin is really hot and cold. I would basically, I can see Joe Linton still being a valued player next season yeah. in midfield, but I really hope that we've got better options wide left I think as well part of the reason for Joel Linton being wide left and St Maximum in the middle against Liverpool it's that that acknowledgement that you're not going to get the defensive side of the game from St Maximum he's not going to track back or doesn't have the tactical discipline of somebody like Joel Linton doesn't press as well as Joel Linton which Mm, I don't I think you can get away without St Maximum if he's producing the goods at the same time but he's in a run at the moment where we're not getting the defensive or the attacking sides of him at all I think it's now 11 games without a goal um, and the only assist that he's got in the last few games that I can think of was against Norwich where he rolled the ball and it was aimed at Longstaff but it rolled through to Joe Linton to sweep home so yeah he's not it's not working out for him at the minute and I don't know what the answer is. We recorded the beginning to this podcast twice. Did I talk about St. Maximin in the warm-up the first time we did it or in this one? <laughs> mm, did I talk about flags the first time we did it or this one? Yes, you talked about flags this time. This time, okay. Yeah, but I think, I don't, he, I don't I think, think it mentioned. was this time. I think it was. Okay. Oh, but okay. yeah, I'd, I'll, I'll First time it. for lip listeners, there was Fergus just had so much racist content that we had to start again. <laughs> that is not true, Paul. Don't say that. People will believe it. Um, yeah, I find him an enormously frustrating player. He can be amazing, but there was a while ago when I was thinking build a team around Set Maximum. He's worth he's going to go if he goes he's going to go for 50 60 million now i'm i'm really not sure about that at all I I... no i think he benefited before you could argue from steve bruce and his man management style but i think he benefited more before from the fact we didn't really have much in the way of tactics or a game plan so the whole plan was get it to St Maximin and let him take everyone on. Whereas I think now the way we set up, there's so much more that he has to do to merit a place in this team. I think he's he's going through a bad patch. I, I think Howe is a good enough manager to get a tune out of St Maximin, but it's... I never really worried before he was going to be like a Ben Arthur, whereas I kind of do now. And you sort of think in this team... Mm. It's hard to see how you can justify that sort of player. It just feels like he's capable of total brilliance, but his contributions are completely reliant on brilliance. Yeah, like he, I, yes. he has to beat three players and then score or put in a good cross, or he's not really doing much for you. Here's yeah. a situation I think would be very believable, but I wonder what your take would be. If Fulham came in in the closed season with a £40 million offer for him, would you take it? Um, yeah, I would. Because I know that we could get Luca Paqueta for £35, £40 million. I know that we could... He's from Leon. He's basically um, Bruno Gouvier's best, best mate. Best mate. And he's really good. And there's there's loads of like there's loads of attacking midfielders who would do more defensively than St. Maximum does, who might not have the end product. Well, no, who might not have the promise of end product that he does, but certainly work better in a team than he does for 30 to 40 million pounds. St. Maximum is basically like Wilfred Zahar. Right. But Zahar is I mean, really good. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I would say Zahar has over the seasons that Sir Maxman's been in the Premier League, Zahar's probably had a much be- bigger output. You know. In terms oh of yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I wasn't sorry. I wasn't meaning that they are 
the same quality. I'm just saying, or, or even the same like end product. I just they are kind of the same where they need to be the main man, and everything goes through them. And uh, if it doesn't, then they don't shine, and that could be to the detriment of the side. A uh, couple of questions on Bruno Guimaraes. Uh, Paul M says, "Welcome back, fellas. It's been a while. Which was the last player to make as big an impression as Bruno in his first few games?" Um, Trippier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bag says now. Bag says that now that Bruno is here, is Richie no longer fucking magic? Did Bruno even have his own magic hat, or has he stolen Richie's? Bruno. Yeah, he's special. I guess I think he is special. I don't think he had a great game against Liverpool. No, I think he really struggled for space in that game. I think a bit of that is that he said himself how tough it is getting used to this league, the amount of time you get on the ball. I think against Norwich, he had one of the easiest times he'll have in the Premier League. Liverpool against it was Milner and Henderson as well. It was sort of set up to snuff everything out in the middle and they did a very mm. good job on him Milner yeah, th- is at 37 he is still such a good <laughs> yeah. unbelievable we signed him as like a what, how old was he when we signed him like 21 18 was he really 21 oh, maybe he's younger than that he was 17 when he broke into the Leeds team wasn't he yeah I thought I thought he was um, it, he might be 21 but I honestly thought he was still a teenager when we signed him and even then he looked you know Good, but what a fucking career that man's had. Yeah. But Bruno... Yeah, sorry, Bruno. His his goal output has been a lot more than his stats before he came to us suggested it might be. Mm. I mean, part of that could be that the role that he was playing at Lyon was was much more defensive and there was a, a lot... A lot, like a greater number of attacking players ahead of him, so he wasn't he wasn't needed to be there. He was needed to be in a more defensive position. But he's got the fucking technique. I mean, that goal against Norwich to lift it over Kroll, impudent. It was beautiful finish. Very very nice. I can't remember the last time a Newcastle player scored. Whether you class that as a chip or a dink, I don't know. But scoop. I don't think it's scoop. I'm not sure. No, Scoop's got more height. Yeah, maybe you'd think. He's, you know, like, obviously all Premier League footballers are very fit. But, you know, players who just look like, just, they just don't look like they've got any fat on them, but yet they're muscly. They just look like, it just looks like such a ball of energy. It just looks so <laughs> fit. So oh, sexy. No, you just look... <laughs> <laughs> but but by comparison, when Almiron scored and whipped off his shirt, uh, he oh, didn't yeah, look. Yeah. He looked yeah. sickly. He, yeah. Yeah. Almiron looked like someone you would meet in your cell on your first day of prison and think, "Oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> he looked a little bit machinist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, <laughs> Almiron looks like the mad kid on a caravan holiday. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like he's had a lot of E-numbers. Yeah. yeah. Talk, <laughs> talk until 4am. Yeah, just a kid who's like, he just looks like, like a kid who's never had a bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> Bruno, Bruno looks like a boxer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Like he's got that sort of boxer's shape. But I, well, love he's, him. I think I he's... Love him. The start of his time with us, I think, has been managed very well. Mm. I think there's been time, considering our league position and the relegation threat, it would have been very tempting to go, oh, he's good, <laughs> start him straight away. Mm. But we have, I think he's been managed very well. And well, I think we're, we're is improving. Eddie, Eddie Howe, and I'm sure he deserves a lot of credit for this, but he was fortunate in that there were three midfielders actually keeping him out of the side. Yeah, true, true. Um, Joe Linton, Shelby and Willett, wasn't it? I think his goal output as well, him being further up the field, is a lot of that is just down to Shelby hitting the best form probably since his first few games at the club. Mm. 
and Joe Linton. And yeah, I think yeah. I, I I would expect he once we buy better players ahead of him, he won't be relied upon as much. Or well, not not even I mean the goal he scored against Leicester. <laughs> from where he got that energy from, because it was like the ninety fourth minute. Yeah, he wasn't even on the fucking screen when Willock started off. Like proper flying header as well. Yeah, I think some somebody said it. It was like he came from a different channel. Like it was unbelievable. Like it's, I, I love him so much. I, I genuinely, he he's the player that we're going to build a team around. It's not going to be some maximum. It's not going to be Trippier. It's it's going to be Bruno Gimiresh. and What a team that could be. Uh, Andy Sheldon says, uh, Bruno has been a top signing and not cheap, but do you see us going big on a marquee signing in the summer like Man City did with Robinho? We'll carry on with the sensible and effective signings. I That's think sense, we'll... Sorry, aim, I think it'll be more of the same in term. I think some of the signings we made in the... January window will survival in mind. I don't think we'll be signing more players in the mould of like Chris Wood, but I don't think we'll be going for your Rubinos either. I think it'll be more in the mould of Bruno, sort of players with the right attitude who've got a career ahead of them and are highly rated. More, quite a bit more about potential than being like here's a Galactico. I don't think I don't think financially we can do that anyway. Right. I think there's there's also an argument to be made that we can sign players who are not not in the twilight of their years, but certainly, yeah. you know, they've had their peak, like Trippier. Like if we if we went off and signed, and I'm not saying we would, but if we went off and found like a James Milner, like a pro who's been a big character for years, is got experience at the top level, has still got the energy to play the way. We could go off and sign someone like that. And Damien Duff. That be... Well, it feels like Trippier is kind of that signing. I think if that's no, 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 100%. available. But if, if there is somebody else out there that is like that, then we could go off and sign them. We don't have to go for Hugo Etiquette or whatever his name is, the teenager. We can go off and sign like a Matt Target who's solid and will is much better than what we've got. And the benefit that this, these new owners have is that quite a lot of our squad have much better players available ahead of them. Like it's easy to improve on John Joe Shelby or Sean Longstaff or, you know. This has been underplayed, I think, quite a bit by Newcastle fans and probably overplayed by fans of other clubs. But I do think we forget sometimes that in the January transfer window, we did spend more than any other club in the whole of Europe. And yes, yeah. we forget that because we spent it on players like Dan Byrne and Chris Wood and we didn't sign Galacticos. But we did spend a lot of money and that is... And I think fans of other clubs and pundits and the like just have been looking at us and going, well, you spent 90 million, obviously your form turned around. I think we kind of feel under attack from that as well. But then there's a lot of Newcastle fans who, there's a weird logic goes on of, well, we didn't sign glamorous players. We signed these sort of players and they've done amazingly well and they've done better than we expected. It's like, so the money has had the impact you would expect the money to have. They've just not had foreign surnames, most of them. But it is still... Yeah, we've I managed think, uh, to fill in a lot of gaps in a squad and sign good players. I think what I what I would look at is the the transfer business that we did overall, and so we signed we spent 115 million this season, and that 115 million might get us like ninth. Um, it could maybe only get us 14th or something like that. But you look at how much some other clubs have spent fairly recently and it's, it's across the season, it's about a hundred million quid. So yeah, I'm not saying that- I, I don't think it's largesse and I don't think like that money, I don't think that money coming like the 90 million we spent in January, it's too easy to say, Oh, that's why you survived because 
the the players who've had the biggest uptick in in performance and the players who've been really vital to our survival and our surge up the table are players like Joe Linton, John Joe Shelby, Fabian Scher, Emil Kraft, like players who were already there who just getting yeah, I sorry, there's something to be said for both sides, right? And like Newcastle fans can obviously see because we're watching the games, can see a bigger picture that other pundits and the like are just saying. Because there's let's do it. Oh, there's the talk now of should Eddie Howe be in the talk for manager of the season, right? That's mm-hmm. some so chat. before before you make Go on, Dave, just very quickly. Would you have him in the conversation for manager of the year? Just like yes or no? Yes, I think I think he should be in the conversation. I don't think he should probably get it, but I don't yeah, think I agree. I don't think, I don't think it's silly to put him in the conversation. Now, what I'll cool. say is that um, a lot of talk sporty people, people who don't watch all our games, will say, "Well, Newcastle spent ninety million, and their form went up." big surprise right that's obviously unfair because those of us who watch the games have like you say seen a number of players markedly improve but that outlay has made a big difference in improving those players as well probably and I don't think I think we as Newcastle fans probably underplay the fact that in the top five leagues in Europe there's like what 100 teams and out of all 100 teams in January we spent the most. <laughs> yeah, that, that has to like. We can't just go. Yeah, but that doesn't count. I mean, no. it's like, it does mean something, right? I think it's but the it way we spent it. That Eddie Howe doesn't mean credit. Deserve credit, or it doesn't mean that like. So know, that that's whatever. actually a point. Is certainly in his role at Newcastle. It, he he picked those signings. Is that not also a? Yeah, a mark, like in his favour. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. yeah. I think weird. I think he's in the conversation, but you've got probably the two best managers in the world right now, managing the two best teams in the world in this league. <laughs> so it's sort of he's in the conversation, but to the same extent that the Burnley managers in the conversation, I would say, who's got a better points per game than Eddie Howe. And I think it's just. Football fans in general, and I notice it more with Newcastle fans. We either our manager is either always the worst manager in the history of football, yeah. or should be manager of the season. He's done an incredible job. It's like there's no in between. It is always it's either Steve Bruce or it's Rafa Benitez. In our and like they're either an absolute god you could not criticize <laughs> and say a single bad thing about, despite the same done. league position and points total. Oh, don't you fucking don't you? Fucking. <laughs> he's the worst. He's a fraud. He's a. I hate him. Or he should you should get a ten year contract. So for Eddie and Ed, uh, luckily for Eddie Howe, he has early on been labelled as this and rightly he has he has done very well he's done amazingly he's done incredibly well but he's luckily he's getting into sort of beatification levels and that's going to serve him well which Alan Pardew didn't manage to achieve despite taking us to this I want a meme of Eddie Howe looking up to the cloud asking how I'm doing and Amanda Staveley looking down from heaven saying, you'll do for me, kid. That's what I want. <laughs> that feels the way our fan base is going at the minute. If Twitter this, is this, to be believed, this, which it isn't. This conversation is remarkably similar to the one that Paul and I had outside a pub on Wednesday. Which I couldn't go to because yeah, we met up in person. I was, it was lovely, I, Paul. I was sitting on my bathroom floor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly think that the the work that Eddie Howe has done deserves a huge amount of credit. And yeah. yes, there's an argument that um, Klopp and Guardiola have deserved to win Manager of the Year because they're challenging for four trophies or whatever, but. Oh, wow. Fuck off. 
<laughs> just, just that. I mean, to be fair, you were saying like, well, does he really deserve it? Because we have spent 90 million. How much have those two clubs spent to build a, build teams that are capable of challenging on all fronts? And how long have they been in the job? So they've had time to instill their ethos into these, you know, billion pound squads. How long have they had it? But now let's give them a, a little pot as well, because, you know. I totally get where you're coming from. I, I get it. But I mean, Ed, there's, yeah, they've had all that money to spend, but they're also basically like, they are the two, it's not just, they've been given all that money and they are also the two sort of architects of where football yeah. is. Now, like I think if Klopp or Guardiola got manager of the year, most fans would sort of think, uh, fair enough. The Liverpool or Man City fans, depending on which one's manager didn't get it, would think it was an outrage. And Newcastle mm. fans would think it was an outrage. If Eddie Howe got manager of the season, most people would be quite surprised. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're two like exponents of like their own style of football. Yeah. Mm. Eddie Howe can still have done a really, really good job and outperformed what any of us expected and performed miracles, but still be the third best manager in the league. Well, we've got three yeah. games. We've got three games less this season. Um, two of which you'd have to say are pretty tough. The next two. Mm-hmm. Uh, with our next game, let's just talk about we've we've got Man City away followed by Arsenal at home, followed by Burnley away. We'll deal with Arsenal and Burnley on future pods, which we'll hopefully actually do. But our next game is against Manchester City. So we've just faced Klopp. Now we're going to face Guardiola. Um, we managed not to get battered by Liverpool. Are we going to get battered by Man City, Paul? I feel like we might get battered by Man City. It's away from home. It's Man City. They battered us at home. There's not. There's no shame in it. No, I don't. I don't think it's. I think maybe we'll. I hope we give a better account of ourselves than we did against Liverpool. I think we're for us to get anything. We're going to need what didn't happen against Liverpool. Is every player to individually turn up and have a blinder. You need Almiron to be beating plays. You need St Maximin to be not giving away possession every, like from the halfway line every third time he gets the ball. In the mm. second half when it, against Liverpool, when it felt like mm. we just didn't have any ideas and it wasn't going anywhere, I really wanted us to bring on Chris Wood, who unfortunately so far isn't the striker I want him to be for us mm. you know what I mean I want him to be peak Andy Carroll you know <laughs> in terms of an, a, a nuisance but I also did realise that that wouldn't even really work against Liverpool no. because so fucking amazingly central defensively actually if I against Man City I would want to start Chris Wood yeah um, I think I think he will as well uh, yeah and, and I hope that he can cause some problems for their central defence. I think I mean, we'll see Joel Linton go back into midfield as well. Be very surprised mm. if that doesn't happen. Well, do you remember uh, ages ago where Hayden and Longstaff, um, their physicality unnerved Guardiola's oh, yeah. side? I'd like to see Joel Linton and um, Gumieris plus maybe, might be worth having like Longstaff. And just get him to do a lot of running, a lot of pressures, because that's like off the ball. Our performances off the ball have improved um, just astoundingly. We are so much better now defensively. So that could be the way to do it and almost like stifle them and just unnerve them. I know that their defenders have got a mistake in them. So I think that's the only way you can really get at Man City. Because if we try to just park the bus, we'll get we'll get unpicked by their better yeah. players. And if we try and match them toe to toe, we'll get absolutely bottom bumped. I so, think our best bet is pressing them, but yeah. I, I'm not sure St. Maximum 
is the right player for that. But I think if Ryan Fraser was fit, St. Maximum would there'd be a bigger argument for him not starting. But I think St. Maximum will start. Because mm. he kind of have to, because like you say, we don't have the options. Mm. And also he he could be the guy that like we it could be like nil nil into the sixty seventh minute and he just decides to go on one of these ridiculous runs and it works. Okay, so score predictions, Dave. Oh, like we're going to lose three nil. Sure, Paul. I was going to say four one. I was going to say four one. I guess I'm going to say a perfectly respectable four nil. I'm going to say like one nil at one. I know one nil at half time to them. Let's score another goal on sixty minutes, and they will get a quick two after eighty minutes, and it'll be four nil. But we'll feel that we did all right. <laughs> That's my guess. I, t- I tell you what, it's lovely going into these like the previous game, this game, and the next game, not needing anything. Yeah, boring. It's boring. We still had Bruce. <laughs> we don't have something to fight for. <laughs> I think we'd be down with Norwich and Watford already. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'd have nothing to play for, but for entirely different reasons. Yeah. Pride, pride. <laughs> we'd be on a different beach, but we'd still be on the beach. Mm. Uh, it is interesting that it looks like this. We might have a, we might have a, you know, um, a part to play in the title race, the the push for Champions League spot, and the relegation battle in the next three games. That's true. I mean, yes, we didn't affect the title race against Liverpool. If we do miraculously get a point or more against Man City, then that could decide the title. If you can't win it, affect it. That's what they say. That's what they say. It's the famous saying, if you can't win it, affect it. Yeah, have you said? (laughs) We need that on a flag. Yes. Pin that up on your dressing room wall. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like a slogan you'd find in Pro Evo that's been sort of translated from Japanese (laughs) into English and doesn't quite make sense. (laughs) (laughs) But perfect match contest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's leave it there. Uh, We'll do our best to. to do another podcast next week but we'll see maybe we'll maybe we'll be back in 2026 um but in the meantime thank you very much paul doolan thank you thank you dave watson thank you and thank you to you the newcastle nasa listener goodbye if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.